This is Joel Barnett, and this is In Pursuit of Understanding, the podcast series we've produced to help us and our community to better understand the differences and the similarities between people from a broad variety of backgrounds and ways of life. Our objective is to encourage inclusion by demystifying the otherness of different groups. And in each 15 to 20 minute episode, we ask inspirational community leaders simple but important questions to help us learn more about their communities and therefore replace ignorance with understanding. You'll find the series informative, interesting, entertaining and hugely beneficial if you want to better understand people who might happen to be different to you. In this, the first series of In Pursuit of Understanding, we chat to religious leaders, including the UK's youngest imam, the most senior Buddhist monk in the UK, Lord Singh of Wimbledon, and a host of others who share their own unique insight to their religion, as we benefit from learning about the beliefs and customs of Buddhism, Judaism, Christianity, Sikhism, and Islam, and how these impact the working life. Join us in pursuit of understanding. In pursuit of understanding Sikhism, I'm joined today by Indijit, Lord Singh of Wimbledon, who is a journalist, broadcaster, and the creator of the Sikh Messenger magazine. Lord Singh is the co-founder of the Interfaith Network and the first member of the House of Lords to wear a turban. His family arrived in England from India in 1933, when he was just a baby. And he grew up in Birmingham, where he stood out as one of less than a thousand Sikhs in the city. Lord Singh has a first-class degree in engineering and worked in mining and construction for 25 years in the UK and India prior to embarking on a career as a broadcaster. Lord Singh, it is a pleasure to welcome you to the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. And so perhaps you could start by telling us a little bit about yourself If I tell you about myself, it's a bit of a strange background. My father, as a young doctor in Amritsar in India, took part in an agitation to protect the Sikh Gurdwaras from interference by the British authorities. The Sikhs protested non-violently. And as a young doctor, his job was to bandage up the people that the police and soldiers beat up. And for that, he was virtually exiled from Punjab and India. After a brief spell in East Africa, he landed in Britain and um, we were in Birmingham and we grew up there as total strangers. There was no other people of different colour or nationality. What kind of impact would that formative experience in life have had on you as a, as a young man growing up in Birmingham? It was interesting. You um, have some friends in school. You go to school and even the history teacher will say in front of the whole class that they come here, get educated and then try and throw us out. Wow. <laughs> you get direct, direct things. Or after I qualified in um, mining engineering, one of the toughest courses you can have, go for an interview and the coal board, as it was then, say to you, the miners wouldn't like an Indian mine manager. Would you like to go in the scientific department? 
So that was pretty normal. And we took it as normal because the British were superior because we were told so in the history books and in teaching. And we accepted it rather grudgingly, but <laughs> that was the way things were then. It's extraordinary to consider in this day and age that that would have been the case. And so what does it mean to you to be a Sikh? As a Sikh, I believe that religions are guidebooks to our journey through life. And what Sikhism does for me, it's a very modern, straightforward religion. It teaches me to try and treat all people equally, to see the good in people, to stress the importance of gender equality, to stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. And our turban is meant to remind us about that. Be visible, don't mingle away and hide what you believe in. The religion does teach this broader view of life, and that when the prejudices die down, is what most people really believe, that that's what they want. So could we talk about the turban? And perhaps we can go beyond the turban into what I believe, and please forgive me if I'm wrong, Sikhs refer to as the five Ks? Yes. Now, Sikhs are supposed to be, we're all not, saintly and soldiers at the same time. But that is the sort of ideal, soldiers in the sense of standing up for others. But saintly, in India at the time, long hair was equated with saintliness. And so we keep long hair and the turban and the little comb in the hair to remind us of the need for tidiness as well, because many of those saints would grow matted hair and totally uncared for. So we're supposed to be clean at the same time. And in that say modesty of dress, at least we should have shorts, another one of the five Ks. We should have a kara, a bracelet, a steel bracelet worn on the right hand to remind us of our vows and obligations. And um, the turban itself is just a covering to identify us because it originated at the time of Guru, the martyrdom of Guru Tegh Bahadur. Just for anybody listening who may be unfamiliar with the reference to gurus, again, unless I'm mistaken, it is believed that there are 10 gurus who all shared the same spirit. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, the thing is that Guru Nanak the, was the first guru. He started the religion. He put forward these principles of equality, working for society as common human beings. He put forward those teachings, the equality, gender equality. It was all done at his times. Now, we know it's pretty easy to state principles of good living. It's much harder to live them. So he was wanted to ensure that those teachings took root in the community, in society. So he appointed a successor. And those different successors were lived in different environments, at times tolerant, at times extremely intolerant, uh, to show that those teachings were relevant at all times. So in all, there were 10 gurus, two were cruelly martyred, a third gave his life doing service to uh, people suffering smallpox in Delhi. So all the principles 
were there. They were lived by the gurus. And the 10th guru, Guru Gobind Singh, collected the final writings of the poet gurus and put them in the Guru Granth Sahib, the holy book of the Sikhs, to say that these are the everlasting teachings. Perhaps we can talk about Sikh customs. I believe there are, there are eight major festivals in Sikhism, yeah. including, and this was new news to me, Diwali, which is also celebrated by Hindus. What are the, the customs that you're most fond of? Well, with these customs, or the festivals, as they're called in Britain, you have the birth of the gurus, the martyrdom of the, the gurus who were martyred. Then you have one of the gurus, that is Guru Hargobind, was imprisoned in Gwalior Fort for teaching Sikh teachings. The Mughal emperor imprisoned a whole lot of Hindu princes and important people in that fort. And then he included Guru Hargobin. Diwali came up and he wanted to show that he was a tolerant ruler. And he said to Guru Tegh Bahadur, you're free to go. He knew he had popular appeal. You can go. It's a gesture at the Hindu time of Diwali. Guru Hargobin true to his belief, said, I'm not going unless everyone else is going to be released. And the Mughal emperor scratched his head and then said, okay, anyone who can hold part of your clothes can go with you. So the guru had a coat made with 52 tassels, which each of those princes got hold of, and they all came out of the fort. It's rather sporting of the Mughal emperor, but it worked. But it also showed the important message. For Sikhs, it's not the Diwali, the festival of lights, that's important. It is the standing up for others, not making yourself an exception where it's easy to do so. That is what is celebrated there. Now, regarding customs generally, as a person growing up away from the Sikh world, two things have always impressed me. One is at the end of every service, there is food provided. Now, it's in the larger Gurdwaras, it's not at the end of every service. It's every day for anyone who wishes to take it. And anyone can come to a Gurdwara. They can leave before taking the food. They can take the food or they can just come to take the food. Eating together is and looking to those who are hungry is considered very important. The other one that impressed me at a later stage, that after qualifying here, I went to India for a while and learned about the martyrdom of the fifth guru, Guru Arjun. He was tortured to death in the stifling heat. Now, how do Sikhs commemorate? You can show signs of bitterness, angry. You have uh, in different religions people uh, flagellating themselves and, uh, on such an occasion. What Sikhs have done that really impressed me was that on the anniversary of that martyrdom, they serve cool, refreshing drinks outside their homes and in the Gurdwaras to anyone who passes by. As I'm going through my own personal journey of discovering more about different religions, which is not only fascinating, but, but I consider an absolute privilege. I'm learning more and more. And one of the things that perhaps I hadn't realised were 
the I'm not sure if rules is the right term to apply no. the guidance that exists for way of life I think it's it's known and we've covered it in our discussion that cutting one's hair is is it right to say forbidden or discouraged discouraged would be the better word because in the Sikh religion we do not have thou shalt and shalt not it is very much should and should not an example of that is it's clearly stated and that we should not drink but the should is not always interpreted in the way it was intended and are there specific dietary rules that somebody looking to understand Sikhism should be aware of? Well, there are, and I'm glad you mentioned it, because, first of all, it's a very easy-going religion in dietary requirements. People can be vegetarians if they wish. They don't have to be vegetarians. They can eat meat. The one thing that is, again, should not, is the meat killed in any sort of ritual slaughter uh, like halal because the Sikh teachings are that food is from God and killing an animal doesn't become holy if we say prayers over it or kill it in a certain way. It should be as painless as possible. So we feel for those reasons and Sikhs will not eat halal meat. So... In a work context, most of our listeners will be professionals working inside organisations of varying size and scales and shapes and forms. But what should one be aware of if they're working with a Sikh colleague or customer or supplier that might help them to foster a greater sense of inclusion? I think... What I would like to see is people actually asking, why do you wear that funny turban on your head? Why can't people ask? British people are so reserved that, no, you know, we can't talk about religion. We'll just think the worst of the other person's religion. And that doesn't help. Ask as many questions as you like. I say to Sikh children in Gurdwaras, where the language is mostly Punjabi, if you hear something or you don't understand, or you don't agree with, challenge it. Religion generally should open, be open to the fresh air of inquiry and understanding. It should, although it is, it is understandable, particularly for people who follow religions that are not necessarily indigenous to the country that they now inhabit, that they feel they're aware of the prejudice and therefore they almost develop a barrier that's almost self-imposed that it's a defensiveness a justifiable and understandable defensiveness but it's something that is unfortunately unhelpful because it discourages people from asking the questions that help people better understand one another oh yes i think that is a very important point and that is why i appreciate this project so much and welcome it that it is to break down these barriers between religions because they are there between all religions where the um, unscrupulous or the less really religious person can say that, look, all those people on either side of our barriers are lesser people than we are, and they can promote the worst intolerance 
towards others. Now, those should be open and knocked down. And it's like in a um, building site where you've had old buildings have been demolished. You see the new scene in a totally different light. You see things, the areas, it really is. So if we can see religions, we will find those commonalities. If we just look over the barriers, we'll find such important commonalities between our different religions, which make the differences small and insignificant. And those differences are all too often more tied up with culture. And culture can be good, it can be bad, but it's not religion. If somebody is looking to learn more about Sikhism, what reliable resources are there available? What advice would you give to people who who want to know more about what it means to be a Sikh? I started the Network of Sikh Organisations UK some, I think, about 30 or 40 years ago because that time, it was just after the invasion of the Golden Temple where there's so many Sikh organisations saying that we suffered because we weren't united So I'm going to form a superior body. I'll be president, you can be secretary. And those sprung up all over the place. So I formed this network of Sikh organizations where we don't tell anyone what to do. We have core principles, which we must agree to. And there's about 130, 40 Gurdwaras that have signed up to that in this country. We have a website, nsouk.co.uk which gives the latest news on Sikh issues. As a commercial, there's a book on the thought for the days that I've done over the years in print. Indrajit, Lord Singh of Wimbledon, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for taking part. Thank you. It's been an enjoyable experience. Mm -hmm.